For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Joel Wells. I'm the lead pastor here at Harvest City Church. Just got back at one in the morning from a week's vacation with my wife, so I'm not sure where my brain is, but it is, it is good to be uh, here with you this morning. Now, we have a special treat today, uh, not just because I'm not preaching, but uh, because uh, we have Ian and Val Bird with us. Most of you know who they are, but in case you don't, Ian and Val Bird lead the LifeLinks Network of Churches, which is the network of churches that Harvest City Church is a part of, a network that is truly global. Uh, my father was a part of starting that network many years ago and led it, uh, led it up until Ian uh, took over here about three years ago. I'm on the uh, leadership team of that network as well, so Ian is sort of my boss when it comes to the network. Um, but Ian and, and Val are a great couple. They, uh, they are well-loved by our network. They've been personal friends to Angela and I. And uh, Ian is just a humble guy, but a guy that God has really gifted to lead our network, I believe, at this time. And he, uh, he's a great preacher, always has a strong word from the Lord. So, Ian, why don't you come and uh, share with us what God has placed on your heart. So great to have both you and Val here this weekend. There you go. It's always helpful to be turned on, right, by to, to the things of God and so you can hear me. I just want to say how blessed Val and I are to be here. I was thinking this morning as, as we walked in and I saw all of you, my heart was just like, wow, I love this church. And it's, it, you know, it's been a long time since we've been here. It's been a long time since I've been here on a Sunday morning, um, since before COVID. So... It just feels so good to see you. You are a wonderful group of people. I, when I think of depth, I think of commitment, and I think of their love for the Lord, this church is right up there at the top. Like, it is just uh, amazing. You guys are phenomenal. And it it's, speaks to the leadership you've had over the years, and David, Linda, and Joel, and Angela, and the others. It's just wonderful. So thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for giving us a shot in the arm because that's how we feel when we come here. It's so encouraging. Well, I want to just jump in. I do have something for you today. Um, and I, I feel like it's, uh, you know, it's still the new year. I mean, it's still relatively early, right? I mean, it's the end of January, but it's still uh, a time to consider this year and where we're at. I know how it goes for me when we get into a new year. Uh, it, it's a time of reflection. You look back at the past year, you look back at your goals and where you're at, and you look at what's happening in the future. Now, that can be exciting. You can look back at the last year and be really excited, like, that was great. Uh, I really saw what God wanted to do in my life, and there was so much fulfillment. But sometimes you look back at the last year, and it's like, ah, it's tough. And I don't know if I'm any further this year. And some of the things God's promised me, I don't know if they're going to happen. And, and, and you don't maybe enter the year as maybe positive as you might in the past. And I don't know if you're there today. But I think it, this is still current enough that some of you may still be keeping your New Year's resolutions. This is, this is close enough in January that some of you may still be there. Usually with me, if I make a New Year's resolution... It's not lasting, because I don't think resolutions are always the best way anyway. Uh, they're kind of sometimes human-made, self-made type of decisions. But I think today God wants to encourage you, and I want to talk today about what do we do, how do we deal with things when there are dreams and visions we have, there are promises even from God that we have, but uh, they're not being fulfilled. 
And maybe not even are they not being fulfilled. We just talked about the dead coming back to life. They almost feel like they're completely dead. Like they're done. And if, you, if I said to you, what about this promise God gave you? Or what about this dream you have? You'd say, Ian, I think my time is gone. I think that is dead in my life. And I have very little hope. If that's you in any area of your life today, whether it be your finances, whether it be your health, whether it be relational restoration with a family member or somebody else, or, or whether it's a, a calling to ministry that you still feel is a long way off and you don't feel like God has released you, I'm speaking to you today. Because I believe God wants to stir us. You know, uh, Diane had a word about how we need to be desperate for God and hungry for Him. And, and we don't like to get in a desperation place. I don't know about you, but I don't like that. I want to feel comfortable. I want everything to be going the way it should be. But one thing I've found is that God will take me to places and allow me to face frustration, to face uh, you know, challenges, so that I come back to that place of realizing, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I can't make this happen. I need you, God. I need to dig into you. And I think some of you here today, I'm I'm speaking to you right now. God is calling you. And as you enter this new year, as you go into prayer and fasting, this is perfect to talk about before you go to prayer and fasting, God wants you to see this from his perspective. And he wants to breathe life into you. And he wants to bring you to a new place of faith and confidence. Even though you haven't seen yet what he's promised, he doesn't want you to let go of it. And the perfect example of this is Abraham. Abraham. He, he is the father of faith. And so we, we can think of that, how amazing that is. But if you look at Abraham's life, and you look at how he stewarded himself, it's instructive to us. He was by no means perfect. He made mistakes. But one thing he did is he never gave up. And he never let go of what God called him to do. Even when he fell down at times and he gave in to his own ways of trying to fulfill God's promise, he still got back up and he believed God. And in the end, God came through. He was 75 when God called him to go to a homeland that he didn't even know. God said, I'm giving you a country. I want you to go. And And it says in the word, he didn't even fully know where he was going. But he said, okay, I'll go. 75 years old. Now, God said, I'm going to give you this big inheritance and your descendants are going to be great. Well, he didn't even have a son yet. He didn't have a child yet. So 75 is a little late, even. Even in his day, he's getting on in years for having a child. And his wife wasn't too far behind him. She was about 64. Well, then 25 years go past and he's 99 now. And his wife is nearly 90. I mean, things are even harder Things are even more impossible. 25 years. And in the meantime, he made an Ishmael. You know, he, 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 he had a son by another woman because he thought, well, I need to have a kid. And God says, yeah, I'll bless him, but I have another child for you. And finally, God comes to him and, and says he's going to do this. He's going to give him this child, this son. And I imagine at that point, this is where it gets really kind of mind-boggling. I imagine Abraham stood there and would have thought... Okay, God, you're promising this to me, but I'm 99. And I have a beautiful wife, but she's 90. And I don't think this is going to happen. I don't think this can happen, God. That's, you know, let's just be real here. He was facing difficult odds. And yet somehow in that moment, he was able to face reality. That's what I want to talk about. He was able to face reality, yet he was able to push through the reality. And he was able to believe God would still do it. 
Some of you here today are facing tough odds in your life. So much so that you don't want to face it. I don't know about you, but I've found that sometimes denial in my life is more than a river in Egypt. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I'm in, I can get into a place of denial where I want to ignore and push aside reality because it disturbs me. Let's just ignore this. Let's just not focus at it because when I look at it, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist. How many people know like me that if you pretend it doesn't exist, it still exists? It's like my son, my, my, my firstborn son. I remember him as a little boy and I would chase him around the church where I worked as a youth pastor and I would run around and he would run behind the door. I remember this vividly in my mind and I would go around the door. You know, I'd say, I'm coming to get you, Addison. And I'd run after him and I'd go around the door and he'd be standing behind the door and he'd be like this. <laughs> with his eyes closed because somehow he thinks that if his eyes are closed, I can't see him because he can't see me. It's really weird. And I think sometimes that's the way we are with life. You know, I don't want to, I'm not looking, God. I'm not looking. It's bad. I'm not looking. It doesn't exist. God says, it does exist. I need you to face it. I need you to deal with it. And here's what it says in Romans 4. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Wow, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. And then it says this, because this is the reference it's talking about with Abraham. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. (laughs) Since he's about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God has had power to do what he promised. Fully persuaded. Now, this is amazing. I like what it says in the message. I don't always read the message. The message is a paraphrase, just to be clear. It means it's not an actual translation. But sometimes there's there's a cool way that Eugene Peterson says it. Here's what he says. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This 100-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility, right? Decades. And give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. Wow, I love that. This is really an amazing passage of scripture. It's impossible. It's it's beyond hope in the natural. Are you there today? Is there something in your life you're there today? You think this is beyond hope. I can't see this happening. I can't see this changing. I have no plan. God says, you're probably in the right spot for a miracle. You're probably in the right place for me to come now. And Abraham had enough confidence in who God was that he stopped and went, okay, this is impossible to me. Like, let's face reality. Let's be truthful. Let's not deny this. Sarah, you and I have a problem here. There's not going to be a baby. But hey, listen, Sarah, we have God and we have a promise from God. Let me say something. There is energy and power in a promise from God. It's latent with potential if you hold on to it. 
Sometimes we treat God's promise, even prophetically or in other ways, we treat them lightly. And we, and we don't hold on to them. We, we treat them like, well, you know, this is just, it's not going to happen. And we dismiss it. And God says, no, no, no. You need to hold on to that promise. Some of you have been given promises from God. And they might be years old. But let me just say something. They're not stale dated in God's mind. They're not over. And here's the reality for you and I. We think that we're ready now for the promise to be fulfilled. We think, hey, it should happen tomorrow. God says, I know the school I need to take you through. I know what I need to do in your life. So you're ready for that promise. Some of you right now are in the in-between part between the promise and the fulfillment. And God is doing something in you. And it's hard. And he's digging you. And he's causing you to be more dependent. And and you're either going to let go of what he has for you completely or you're going to dig in more to him like Diane talked about. And you're going to say, I'm drilling down on this. I'm going to go harder in prayer and harder in believing God. And I'm going to listen to him. I really believe some of you need to hear this. God is stirring you. He's ringing the bell on you. He's saying you are believing for way too little. You have settled for way too less than what I have for you. And I want you to rise up. You know, COVID has been a tough season. No doubt. But here's the reality, folks. We can either be a victim of COVID or we can let it make us stronger. I always told our church during COVID, I said, don't waste a good pandemic. So I told them, seemed like a weird thing. What are you talking about? I said, this is adversity for us. This is difficult. It's creating emotions. It's causing all this, right? Don't waste that. Let God go deep in that in your heart. Let God do something through that. Deal with your stuff. Deal with your attitudes. And let God dig you deeper and prepare you. And I think even looking back at COVID now, I think we need to reflect that way and say, God, this was hard. But what are you teaching me? What are you telling me about it? And let me just say this, and I'm going off script, but that's okay. God wants you to deal with some of that. Some of you here have been impacted by COVID negatively. You still are. You still are holding some things inside. There's still some attitudes, even towards other people. There's still some hurts. There's still some loss you've experienced. And I'm not minimizing that. Hear my heart. But here's what God wants to tell you today. Don't live in that. Don't stay there. It's time to move forward. It's time, it's time to push on into what he has for you. And he's going to use that. If you let him. To take you deeper. To take you into his purposes. You know the word that's used here for promise. Uh, in the Greek. For what Abraham was given. This promise. It, it, there's two words that are used in the Greek for promise. One is a conditional promise based on what you do. The other one is an unconditional promise based on the grace of God. This is an unconditional promise based on the grace of God. And what it means is God came in his greatness and his goodness to Abraham. Not through Abraham's merit. Not because Abraham was so great. And God said, I choose Abraham and I grace him in this way. And I'm going to bless him. And this is my destiny for him. You know, I was, I was skiing recently. I live near the mountains. It's wonderful and sometimes I'll go up for a half day of skiing I have a pass at one of the ski hills and I was just on my own last week and I was going up the hill and it's a great time on the, the chair just to think and pray and I was reflecting on this I was reflecting how in my own life the promises I've been given are pure grace anything I'm doing now leading a church or or, or being absolutely team leaders this network anything I'm doing is grace 
The promise given me is by, by God's goodness and grace. It's, I don't deserve any of it. I didn't earn any of it. It's the same for you. God comes to us. He gives us promises. He, he, he gives us direction in our life. And it's pure grace. And what it means is, here's the good news. If you didn't earn the promise, you don't have to fulfill the promise. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you didn't work to get that promise and blessing from God in that direction, he's going to fulfill it. Abraham didn't work to get it. Abraham didn't have to work to see it fulfilled. He just had to be obedient. And he had to follow what God called him to do. He just had to stay trusting. And I speak to you today because that's how God wants you to see this. He comes to you with promises of blessing. He comes to you with promises of fruitfulness. He comes to you with promises of healing. He comes to you today out of his goodness. Not because you deserve it. Not because I deserve it. And he says, all I need you to do is hang in there. Hold on and believe me for what I have for you. And if you will not let go and throw away your confidence, as Hebrews 10 tells us, then you're going to be rewarded and you're going to see what God is planning to give you. Because that's what happened that's what happened to Abraham. So I'm going to jump here uh, to my first point is, is this, and I've been talking about it, face reality. The first thing is face reality. We can't live in denial. It says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. He faced the fact. Sit down and face the fact in your life. What is happening? Where are you at? And I think, I think it's good to do a denial check. Are there any areas of my life that I'm not facing, that I'm ignoring, that I'm not saying, hey, I'm going to follow that this year. I'm going to move in and, and I'm going to see God move. You know, I, I remember in the 90s, uh, I wasn't good with money. And, uh, you know, Val and I, it, it was a weakness for me. So we, we didn't budget we got married in 86, and we, we didn't want, don't do this. Not good to not live on a budget, but we didn't have a budget. And we just kind of lived, and we, you know, we did okay, but we didn't really save well. I mean, if you don't have a budget, you don't save well, you don't plan well. It's really a bad thing. And so uh, I got in, in, into the, the mid-90s, and I was frustrated at times. I was frustrated with Val. Why did she buy that? You know, and it wasn't all Val. It was me, but I was frustrated by all this. And then the Lord spoke to me one day, and he said this to me. He goes, you need to face reality on your finances. You need to take a hold as the man of your family. I believe that. I mean, I think, I think men and women work, work together on this. And I think sometimes women are stronger with money and bookkeeping than men. I get that. But in my case, God was saying, you need, because you're denying it. You're walking in fear. You're, there's an insecurity in you. You'd rather not make decisions. You'd rather just kind of, you know, and sometimes we'd rather, yeah, let's not make decisions. Let's not pin in on this. I'll just, because I'm afraid. I may make bad decisions so I don't make any decisions, which is really bad, which is dumb. And so I wasn't living right. So, so I went to Val. I remember I went to Val and I said, I'm going to take a hold of finances. And I'm sorry. I haven't been what, doing what I should do. I've been walking in fear and insecurity in this area. And I've been lax. And I, I took a hold of it. And, I, and, and honestly, it was a powerful moment. And, and God blessed us. And you know what? I wouldn't be able to steward church finances or network finances if I hadn't done that. <laughs> you know, the home and then our ministry and our life, it all goes together. And, and so I had to stop living in denial and I had to face it. Maybe you're there too. Maybe sometimes looking at your financial situation and making decisions is something you, you struggle with. And you defer it and you don't do it. 
because it looks ugly. Face the fact. Face reality. You know, walk in on that. And, and, and there's this aspect of radical acceptance. And I don't say that where you just, you know, say, well, it's never going to change. Abraham radically accepted his reality without caveat. He's like, you know what? This is impossible in the natural. This is impossible. But God is greater. We also, when we do, when we face reality, we also need to, also, to admit our responsibility in the situation. This is also hard. I don't know about you, but I don't like making mistakes. And sometimes I'd rather ignore the mistakes I've made and, the, and, and what the results are than actually stop and go, okay, this is my issue. This is my fault. God, here's where I made mistakes. But I want to learn. I want to grow. And maybe as you approach this new year, oh, do I have a problem? Oh, oh, geez. Sorry, guys. I love technology. So awesome. The Apostle Paul never had to deal with this. Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> thanks, Lyle. So, we had to admit our part. And I think that's really freeing. What part did I have? Where can I learn? You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know about you, but I head into the new year most years and I've gained a few pounds over Christmas time. Probably none of you have ever done that or had that problem. But... I, I, I get into the new year, and I don't want to step on the scale. That's denial. <laughs> you know, I don't want to look at the scale. But, but I've gained a few pounds. And so here's what I should do, and it's what I usually do. Hmm, I wonder how that happened, right? Like it's, I wonder what, what caused that, you know? There's some water retention in my life, I think. What happened? Oh, yeah, well, maybe it was the four chocolates I ate on Christmas Day. Maybe it's the large, multiple turkey meals I had. Yeah, absolutely, all of the above, right? But I faced that, and I learned from it. Okay, well, maybe next year, I'm going to be honest. I always say next year, but at Christmas, it never happens for me. Anybody like that? Next year, I'm not going to eat so much. And then, you know, I get to the same spot. But I'm saying we need to learn. We need to stop and say, why? How did I get here? Where am I at? And then what is God calling me to do? And even though we've made mistakes, we still need to consider God's plan for us, just like Abraham did. And then we need to do what we can control and what we can do. Here's the problem for for people like me that like control. I'm going to be honest with you. I like control. Like, I think most people do. They like to be in control of their circumstances. They like to keep things safe and keep things definable. But how many people know life isn't controllable? So all you can do is what you can do. And God will do the rest. See, Abraham, what could Abraham do? Well, let's be honest. What could Abraham do at this moment? Because he acted in faith. What did faith mean for Abraham? Well, he still made love to his wife. (laughs) Let's be honest, right? He had a kid. So in faith, Abraham was thinking, I don't think this is going to be fruitful. Right? But I'm still going to do this. (laughs) We're still going to try. You know, I'm going to do my part. I can control that. But I can't control whether it will work or not. God says, well, good. Keep doing what you know to do. And I will do what only I can do. We don't know how God did all that. But he did it. And a baby was formed. Right? Some of you are going to go home and say, well, the pastor encouraged us to have sex. Some of your men are like, yes. Good. <laughs> okay, stay focused, Ian. Stay focused. 
All right, so, so for number one, face reality. Face reality. Number two, be insistent. Be insistent. I love the passage in Luke 11. Jesus gives these parables. And he, 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 there's a passage in Luke 11 that I'm just going to really paraphrase where Jesus talks about the persistence needed in prayer. And, and what it is is, and I alluded to it yesterday at the prayer uh, summit, which, by the way, it was wonderful. We had a great time. Thanks to this church for hosting. And, uh, but, but Jesus gives a parable. A man has uh, guests coming to, to his house, and he doesn't have bread for the guests. So he goes to his friend's house. But the only problem is it's the middle of the night. And the only problem is, uh, in those days, the, the parents would have been sleeping with the, with the kids. And so if the dad gets up to give bread to his friend, he wakes up everybody like it's a mess. And so this guy knocks on the door and says, hey, I need bread. I know it's the middle of the night, but 7-Eleven's closed and I can't get the bread. And so the guy says, get out of here. Go away. He probably said it quietly because he's trying not to wake his kids. Go away. Get out of here. Right? The guy's like, no, no, I need the bread. I need the bread. Finally, he gets up and he gives him the bread. Not happily, reluctantly. And in the Bible, it says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, but because of your shameless audacity, it says in the NIV. Shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And then Jesus says, ask and will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is like a persistent mindset. And, and, and audacity means the courage or confidence of a kind that other people find shocking or rude. The word in the King James is importunity. Because of his importunity. Which means persistence to the point of annoyance. Now Jesus is saying here that this is an attitude he likes. You think, really, Jesus? You'd like me to be that way? He says, when it comes to my promises and what I've said to you, I want you to be shameless. I want you to be aggressive. I want you not to let go. Now, there's a prayer of faith where, you know, we believe God has spoken to us and said it's done, and we thank him for for, for doing it. And then there's the prayer of importunity where it's like, no, we... realize we have to keep praying. We have to keep praying. I want to encourage you with something. Don't stop praying about the things God has promised you. Don't stop praying. Because that is one of the keys. That is one of the things in your control. Do what you can control. And one of the things you can control is prayer. One of the things you can control is to continue to knock on the door of heaven about that relationship with your child. To knock on the door of heaven about the calling God's given you and you're not seeing it happen. You're not sure what to do. But you're going to keep coming to the Father. Lord, you promised this. And I'm coming to you with it. You need to be insistent. Some of you are not insistent. You're too Canadian in your prayers. You're like, well, okay. I guess it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Well, what lifetime is it going to happen? Right? You have one life. I have one life. God wants to stir some of you. You're kind of walking in some apathy. You're kind of walking. And I'm, I'm not trying to condemn you. Hear my spirit. But I feel the Holy Spirit says, come on. I have called you. I'm stirring you out of the COVID slumber. There is more. Don't let go. Number three, strengthen yourself. Isaiah 35 says this, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come to save you. 
I love that. Strengthen the feeble knees and the hands that hang limp. You know, the, the person I always think about regarding this is, is King David. Uh, and, you know, it, it, in 1 Samuel 30, it's the story of how King David was, he wasn't king yet, but he was out, um, uh, you know, with his raiding party from Ziklag. And um, he came back from raiding the Philistines and they had ransacked his, his community, taken his, the wives and everyone was gone, children, possessions. It's terrible. His men were ready to kill him, stone him, like... It's your fault, David. It's your fault. And it was terrible. I can't even imagine. I've never had anyone ready to stone me. Thank the Lord Jesus, right? <laughs> but, I mean, we've all felt opposition, but never to that level. And, and what does David do? Does he check out? Does he crawl up in a fetal position and go, I guess my destiny's never going to come. They're going to kill me. I guess it's over. Does he say, yeah, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. I can't do anything now. Like, does he go into that? No, it says he strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Strengthened himself. And I wonder, what did he do? Here's what I think he might have done. He might have done. I think in that moment, when they're ready to kill him, David went and reminded himself of when Samuel came and poured oil on him and, said, and anointed him as the next king. I think he said, hey, listen, wait a minute. I have a promise. I had oil poured on me, poured on me, and I'm going to be king. Okay. I have a promise. That's number one. Number two, I remember Goliath. I remember Goliath. That was impossible. I should be dead right now. That guy would have killed me. But God is the one who gave me victory. Yeah, I remember Goliath. I remember all the times God saved me. I remember all the times he preserved me. So I'm not going to die right now before I'm king. That's what I think David did. I think he stirred himself. Then he said to God, should I run after him? And God says, yes, pursue them. You'll get everything back. So David goes. Now listen. This is what you and I need to do. You need to strengthen yourself. The enemy wants to keep you down. He wants you to stop. He wants you to give up. You need to strengthen yourself today. You know what I do sometimes? I'll talk to myself in the mirror. I'll go to the washroom. I'll look in the mirror and I'll give myself a pep talk. Come on, Ian. God's never let you down. Think of the history. Think of what he's done all through your life. Think about how he's always met your needs. He's not going to fail you this time. Come on, Ian. Stop this stinking thinking. Stop your doubt. Stop your unbelief. Stop your self-pity. Come on. Come on. Some of you need to do this. Go home. Talk to yourself in the mirror. Seriously. Strengthen yourself. Remind yourself. Don't let that devil keep kicking you around. I hate the devil because he kicks us when we're down. You know, we're already struggling. He comes and he comes over and he starts booting us, making it worse. Well, I tell you what, you tell him back that God is not done with you. You tell him back that God is going to fulfill his promise to you. Come on. Come on. God has more. We need to declare the things God's spoken to us. What prophetically has he said? What's this, what are the moments where he met you, where he spoke to you, where he encouraged you? Come on. And lastly, we need to remain expectant. I love the story. Hebrews 11 one says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Wow, faith. God wants faith. Confidence in what we hope for. Assurance of what we do not see. I love the story of the prodigal son. Luke 15. Because the, the son goes out 
And from the father's home, he takes his inheritance and he spends it wildly and, and uh, ends up in the pig pen eating pig stuff or wanting to anyway. And he says, you know, I'm going to go home. Uh, I'm going to be a servant at my dad's farm because at least they get three squares a day and they have a place to stay. I'm going home. I know I'll never be a son again, but I'll be a servant and at least I'll go. So he's going to go home. But here's what it says as he starts coming home. Here's what it says. He got up and he went to his father in Luke 15. But while he was still a long way off. Say that with me. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Let me ask you a question. Why did his father see him? How could his father see him when he was still a long way off? It was not obvious that he was home yet. You know why? Because he was looking for him. Because he was standing out in front of his property, surveying the landscape to see if if his son's unique walk, he could see his boy coming. Because he had expectation that God was going to bring his boy back. And so he was looking. And finally one day, I don't know how many days this would be, but finally one day he could see, he could see this unique walk. And he thought, that's my son. I know how he walks. That's him. He's coming. He's hobbling toward me. And you know what it says? He ran to him. And he threw his arms around. He hugged him. He was expectant. An expectant person, a non-expected person isn't out there looking for his son. He's at home in a pity party going, my son is lost. But this, this dad, he had faith. and He's looking. Can I tell you something? Have you stopped being expectant? Have you stopped looking? See, expectancy is when a relationship's gone south or when a child is not serving God. You're looking for signs. You're praying and you're watching. And you're saying, hey, wait a minute. I think I saw a glimmer there. I think I saw a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of faith. I think I saw my son, my daughter starting to shift. I'm going to keep praying. I think I see it. Some of you need to have that expectancy again. Because you've given up expectancy. It's never going to happen. It's too hard. God says, no. Keep looking. Keep searching the horizon. Because one day, hear me on this. One day you're going to see the promise coming up the lane. You're going to see it fulfilled if you do not give up. I believe that God has incredible things for you and for this house. This is a flagship church in our network. It's an amazing church. I'm honored to be connected with it. I'm humbled. But let me just say something to you. There is more to come. A lot more. There's a lot more people in Regina that need to be reached. There's a lot more people in this room who are called to bigger things who God is wanting to release. There's a lot more people that are going to be released to the nations. There's a lot more people that are going to rise up in their businesses and they're going to reach many more in this community for Jesus. A lot more. God says, don't rest on what you have because the kingdom of God is advancing and you're part of it. But the only way you're part of it is if you hold on to what he's promised you and if you press and drill into it like Abraham did and you refuse 
to give up. And you face reality. That's the first step. You face reality. You face the hard facts. And then you let God speak to you and show you the way forward. I I challenge you to do that during this fasting and prayer. Face reality in every place you can. Lord, show me. Help me. And then give me your steps and help me trust you and dig in again. And I believe you're going to see change this year. I believe you're going to see things you didn't see last year. Both individually and as a church. Because the church is you. (laughs) The church. You are the church. God says, rise up. You stand with me. Would you stand with me, please? I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. And I really, I really felt like, uh, I, I appreciate Joel, Pastor Joel letting me do this. I just really felt like I wanted to call you out. And, and part of the facing reality and, and pushing in, like I said, because God wants you to rise, is to step out and admit it. Part of facing reality is coming forward and saying, yeah, I I need to face some reality. But I'm believing God for more. I'm stepping up this year. I'm ready to press in. So if if God spoke to you today, in a moment, I want to call you up to come up. Some people are here to pray with you, to help you. But you can also just come up on your own. And you you can just be here. But I think you need to take a step today. If this spoke to you in any way and God is telling you that, that this is relevant and you need to do something, then I want to encourage you, come out and step up and come up here as a response to the Lord. And secondly, maybe you're here today and you need to face reality that you don't know Jesus. Jesus came to pay the price for our sins. Jesus is the only sacrifice for our sins. He died. He was perfect sinless. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the grave. And if we don't have Jesus, I'm going to be bold and blunt with you. If we don't have the blood of Jesus covering our sins, we are lost for eternity. We may have a great life, but if we don't face that reality, we will not be with Jesus when we die. We will not be in heaven. That's reality, and we need to face it. Some of you need to face that reality today. And you sense the Holy Spirit pressing on you right now. And he's saying, today's the day of salvation for you. I call you forward. I say, take a step today. 2023 is the day I, the year I give my life to Jesus, and I start moving the way he wants me. Or maybe he's calling you to return to him. Maybe you walked away. I don't condemn you for that. People do. They struggle. But here's the thing. God's saying, today I, want, I call you back. I call you back. Come on. Re-engage. And maybe, you know, it's just you've disengaged from the church and other people. God says, re-engage. Face reality. Will you come up now, please? I encourage you to come up right now. If God has spoken to you today, respond to him today. And don't let other people, what they think of you, stop you. (laughs) Say, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm stepping up. I'm facing reality. Today's the day. God's going to give you grace. There's going to be miracles. There's going to be breakthrough. There is. There is. I'm going to pray for you real quick here. And then... 
We'll let everybody else go, and if you want prayer, you can ask for it. But I do want to pray. Father, I pray for these people right now. And Lord, I ask you, whatever they're dealing with today, wherever they're at, whatever reality they're facing, whatever steps they need to take, God, I pray for grace right now from heaven. Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill them. I ask you to strengthen them. And I pray this would be a fantastic year as they follow this pattern of Abraham. God, we thank you. And and Lord, I pray for those. Can we just pray a prayer together for salvation for those who might be up here to do? Can we just do it together after me? Just pray after me. Just say, dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. And then you rose again from the dead. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me from all the bad things I've done. I make you Lord of my life. I want to follow you. In your name. Hey everyone, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We hope you enjoyed it and found something that spoke to you or blessed you in some way. That really is the heart of Harvest City Church, that you take what you've heard, learned, or experienced here, and then go out and share that good news with others. So go ahead and post this video to your page, start conversations, and who knows the lives that God could transform through it. If we can support you in some way in this season, please let us know. Maybe you've decided to dedicate your life fully to Jesus. We want to hear about it and celebrate with you and help you in those first steps. Connecting in to share the joys and the struggles of life is why we're here. Finding community is super important too, so if you're wondering about any of our programs for kids, youth, or adults, just reach out to us by phone or at the link below and we'll be in touch. To all of those who are partnering financially with us, thank you for your investment into the kingdom of God. It allows us to do what he's calling us to and reach even more people. For more info on that, go over to harvestconnect.ca slash give. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our live stream chat area at harvestconnect.ca slash live. It's a great place for interaction, commenting, prayer with our online hosts, and more. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our social pages and all that good stuff too. Take care, keep living your call, and we'll see you again real soon.